Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is coming in such beautiful ways. So open our hearts and minds to see it, to experience it, and to share it. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We bless your name. And let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Would you join me, please? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. I think you got the chorus down really well. <laughs> well done. We want to extend sympathy to 12 families in our church. It's been quite a week of people going home to be with the Lord. I'd like to just read and share the names and then invite you to join me in prayer. Um, we want to give thanks to the Lord for the witness of faith so all these families have experienced, but we're also just mindful of the sadness of death and then also clinging to the hope of the resurrection. So I want to acknowledge young Mason and Landy Jubiak and the death of their dad, Brian. Cheryl Ferguson and daughter Sarah and their two children in the death of Greg. Ron and Karen Geetings, Don and Jenny Geetings, Larry and Jenny Geetings in the death of their mother, uh, Jenny Geetings. To Dick and Nikki and uh, Shelly Hawkins in the death of Dick Hawkins. And then um, Arvin and Cheryl Plyma, Payne Plyma, and Tracy and Aaron Stoltz in the death of uh, his, their mom, Grandma, Lenora Plyma. And then the last one is, um, I want to express our sympathy to Gary and Ann Voss and Karen. Marge died yesterday morning. And I just want you to be aware that the visitation for Marge and her family will be tomorrow at the Garden Chapel Funeral Home from 4 to 7. And the funeral will be here Tuesday uh, at uh, 10.30 a.m. So we continue our journey as a family through great grief. I, th I don't know if I have my numbers exactly right, but I think since July of 17, all together somewhere close to 140 families, connecting families or just persons have lost loved ones. So I'm trying to pay attention to this because as a church family, we're really processing loss and death, but resurrection and hope in such a big, big way. And um, anyhow, would you pray with me for these loved ones, for these families? But we're mindful of people with names that we know and we love who, who grieve, who carry loss and pain, at the same time, Lord, who live with the great expectation that you have made all right through your life and your death, your resurrection and ascension. So we give thanks for lives well lived and pray for grace and strength and peace as all these families, young and old, multiple generations, continue walking with you into the future. We thank you, Lord, that you go ahead of us. You prepared the way. We pray you'd open the doors of heaven for each and for all. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying. Thank you for loving. Can I invite you to open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 17? And we're going to continue, but uh, we, this is... <laughs> Be prepared for unexpected things. We're talking about demonic power. Last service, we had a whole bunch of things happen. So just heads up. If crazy things happen, don't be surprised. Okay, you have the page number. Can I have a, a map now, please, Jim? So what I really want you to understand, so last week, 
we were looking at chapter 16, and we were at the city of Philippi. And something happened at Philippi, which I tried to explain, which then affected Neapolis and Phil Ampolo I don't know how to say that name, Apollonia, Thessalonica, and Berea. We're going to see that today. So Thessalonica and Berea, something happened in Philippi that affected all those places. We'll talk, review that in just a moment. But now we're going to, then we're going to go to Athens, and nothing happens. And what I'd like you to be thinking about is what is the presence and power of demonic forces in regions, in particular in families, in households, in cities, in churches, in us. So what I'm getting at is would you be attentive to where demonic power is at work? And how is it we overcome demonic power? So I want you again to see, something happened at Philippi, and something did not happen in Athens. So the question here is, again, here it is, where is demonic power at work here? How is demonic power at work in our region? And then more personally, I'm asking all of us, are, are any of us, all of us, each of us, opening ourselves up to demonic power. Now, I'm going to just suggest something about our region, Pella, Knoxville, Southeast Iowa, particularly in Pella. I will, I'm going to suggest in just a few moments that one of the territorial spirits we battle here is a demonic spirit of religion. A religious spirit um, infiltrates a people who focus on rules, regulations, rights, wrongs, is shame-based, and is captivating. And I believe the Lord's been working in our region for some time to break the power of this religious spirit. That's my opinion. Well, let's go through this story now and let's watch what happens. Jim, can I have slide four? I want you to notice, <clears throat> this has been the ongoing pattern all through Acts. The invasion, the kingdom of God comes, and there's a counterattack. And the kingdom of God advances, and there's a counterattack. And there's a kingdom of God advanced, and there's a counterattack. We're going to see that happen three times in this passage. I'm going to read all of Thessalonica, all of Berea, and part of Athens, because I want to really focus on Athens in particular. So, Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. Can I have a map again, please, Jim? Look at the map. So they're coming to Philippi. Now they're going down to your left. So they go through those two cities and they come to Thessalonica. Verse 2. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbaths, now there are six specific words tied to sharing about Jesus. He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving, so reasoning, explaining, proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming, there's the fourth word, to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded, there's the fifth word, and some joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite, quite prominent, few prominent women. You see this? Watch, watch, watch this morning. 
you watch how I'm not going to be able to speak. Just watch it. Mike, first service, Mike forgot his music. He couldn't catch his breath and couldn't hold a thought. In the first service, I could not read the names of the cities. So I prayed a breaking prayer. over. I pinned this whole building last night with, with a couple gallons of holy water. But there is such, there is a presence of evil here that wants to disrupt us. So when I lose my train of thought or lose my ability to speak, don't be surprised. We are in a battle. So don't be surprised and don't be threatened if I start rushing or lose my thought or whatever. It's, it's just, no. Am I speaking out of school here? Do you all know what I'm talking about? You have those places where you think, what in the world is going on here? All of a sudden in your house, you're just mad at each other. All of a sudden in the workplace, something erupts. All of a sudden, some crazy health thing happens. Like this morning, I fell down three steps coming to my heart. What is up with that? We're talking about the kingdom of God coming with power. And you have a spiritual enemy who wants to accuse, lie, steal, and destroy. Okay, now, having said that, I want you to see why this was so effective. Look at verse 4. A large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a number of prominent women accepted Jesus. Why? Now, page number, Jim. Hold your finger at Acts 17. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Page number is on the screen. I'm going to look at verses 4 and 5. Well, in fact, I'll read a couple of verses. So I want you to see, so 1 Thessalonians was written to the church we're just reading about in Acts 17. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, look at verses 4, let's go 4 through 7. And we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Now look at the next, next verse, verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not simply with one words, but also with, what's the next word? With the next two words. And, so look at those four things. Words, power, Holy Spirit, deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and the Lord. What? Words, power, Holy Spirit, conviction. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And look what happens. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Map again, please, Jim. So this church in Thessalonica, look at Macedonia, look at Achaia. For whatever happens with Paul's ministry in that place, it affected that whole region. But I want to take you back to last week. But something happened in Philippi that allowed what happened next in those four places. Okay, let's go back, to, go back to Acts 17. Now here's the counterattack. Chapter 17, verse 5. But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd, to be beaten by the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar decrees, that's a charge of treason, saying there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others postpone and let them go. So there's the counterattack. 
So what happens next? Look at the response. The invasion continues. Verse 10. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was said was true. What are they looking at? Paul was teaching Jesus lived, died, rose, Old Testament scriptures. He is teaching the power of the Holy Spirit. He is teaching how the kingdom comes. So they're saying they're noble character. Where is that in the Bible? We want to see it. Show it to us. We don't understand it. But their hearts were good. So they received it. And then what happens? Verse 12. As a result, many of them believed, as also did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So look at verse 4. A large number of Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Lots of harvest. Verse 12. A number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But, here's the counterattack. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, so map again, they went from Thessalonica and they go about 30 miles to Berea, and what are they going to do? They stirred up the crowd, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast. Look at your map. Now they're going to go over 100 miles down from Berea, going to go over 100 miles down to Athens. They sent them to, uh, to, to Athens, the other two stayed at Berea. Then those escorted Paul, brought him to Athens, left him with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Now I want you to notice something now. So look at your map. So Silas and Timothy are in Berea. Way up to Philippi is Luke. And now Paul is by himself in Athens. So now you have someone all alone in an area that has not been impacted by Philippi. Now I'm going to show you the power of demonic spirits. Chapter 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. Can I have slide five? I use a specific Greek word on purpose because he is inflamed the city is full of idols or given over to idols or some paraphrases have a forest of idols. So I want you to imagine this road in front of the Tulip Tower, downtown Pella. In Athens, in that day, there were so many idols to so many demons that if you walked down in front of the Tulip Tower, you could not walk like this. There were statues everywhere. So you walk like this, and he had to go like this, and he had to go like this, and he had to go. They said there were more statues to demons in Athens than there were people. Well, what happens there? Verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and Greek, God-fearing Greeks, as well as the marketplace with those who happened to be there. And he responds. It doesn't go very well. Verse 20. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears. We would like to know what they mean. Verse 22, Paul stands up and begins to give the sermon. It did not go well. Look at verse 35, 34. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, the ruling group, and also a woman, Demarius, and a number of others. The word of number of others in Greek is this. 
Back to the map again. So in Thessalonica, you have scores of people saying yes to Jesus. In Berea, you have scores of people saying yes to Jesus. But in Athens, you have four. Now what's interesting, if you go there now, if you go up to Macedonia, the some of the churches established 2,000 years ago are still functioning actively, walking with the Lord, proclaiming the gospel today. How many in Athens? Let me walk you through Athens just a little bit. So hang on with me. They were a city given over to demons. So let me tell you about what they did. They had festivals to all their gods. And let me just make you one thing. Um, slide six. So I'll give you a framing it if I could. The idols in Athens were the visible front of invisible forces that were actively shaping art, philosophy, education, and daily life. This influence radiated from Athens throughout the whole Roman Empire. Back to the map. So what's happening in Athens goes all over this map and more. This is a city and a people given over to demons. So the question I'm poking at here now is, what idols, what demons are we open to, giving our allegiance to, or being impacted by? So let me just walk you through Athens. Here are just eight of the festivals. There was a festival to Athena. This is the city of Athens, Athena. She was the major territorial spirit. It was more than a week long. They had a festival to Apollo, and Apollo was male beauty. It was like bodybuilders. So they had a great big thing about looking for a week of the power of the male body. Then they had a festival to Demeter. She is a she, a spirit of fertility and feminism. They had a festival out to Poseidon, the god of the sea and the god of earthquakes. They had a festival of the dead in which they honored all the people who dead and called the dead spirits up to, to, to the earth. They had the festival of Dionysus, which was basically get drunk and have sex for weeks. And then they had one called the Festival of Zeus, Zeus, and they had it every summer, praying that, the God, they would, that God would send a harvest. Now that's the city. We talk about a home. The common people served idols and demons like this. Each family in Athens had their own altar in their yard to Zeus. They had it in their house, a pillar to Apollo to protect them. They had a non-poisonous snake that went through all their cupboards. They also had meals they offered to the goddess Hestia, the spirit of the hearth. They had demon spirit worship to the mountains, the trees, the rivers, and the winds. This people was completely given over to idols. Now we can say, well, that's just 2,000 years ago. Those are a bunch of primitive people. So what idols are Americans giving themselves to? So let me just let me let me let me just illustrate. So you know, we have been very involved in sports. Let me tell you how involved we have been. We stopped counting miles after we had driven one million miles. 
to watch our children play basketball. Six vehicles, over 150,000 miles each vehicle. We, we borrowed $5,000 a year to go to basketball tournaments. And we stopped counting at 1,000 games. Do you think we have any allegiance to the idol of sports? But it's an acceptable idol. It's okay, right? Sports, it's okay. How about you? What, what, what do you focus on? What do, you, what do you give yourself to? What do you spend your money on? What do you think about? The Old Testament prophet says, we become like the idols we worship. Is it money? Is it career? Is it children? Is it, what's your idol? Now, think about this. If we are giving ourselves to idols, we're creating space for idol, idolic power, demonic power to work. So look at slide seven. Spiritual darkness over such a city as Athens is not just something that happens. It is rooted in conscious decisions made by human beings. So let me give you a bigger one, easy one. Let's forget about talking sports. How about entertainment? If you add up how much money we spend on our entertainment, whatever you want, just professional sports, $9 billion. Just porn, $14 billion. Just pick, 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 your, pick your poison. How, how the average person under age 30 has their phone on 16.5 hours a day. We, do you hear what I'm saying? Here are these powerful, powerful things that we're giving ourselves to. And we don't even know it. And we come to worship on a Sunday morning. I forget about Sunday mornings. What's your relationship with Jesus all week long? Are you walking with the risen Christ? Do you hear his voice? Do you know his words? Are you following his prompts? All of a sudden, ooh, go back to the map. So this area way up north by Philippi just opened because people were freed from a territorial spirit that they had given themselves to. What about Athens? So I, I titled this, Our Teachers Meet in My Home on Monday Nights, the Teachers from the Auditorium in the Sanctuary. And I titled this week's sermon for our internal re note, uh, record keeping, You Win Some and You Lose Some. The kingdom won at Thessalonica. The kingdom won at Berea. Can I say this? The kingdom didn't win so much at Athens. What's the difference? I think in Thessalonica, in Philippi, you saw the word of God expressed clearly, the power of God revealed, the presence of God living through his people, and demonic power pushed away. What about you? What about us? So here I'm a preacher of a church in Iowa. Did you hear what I just said? We drove a million miles 
It's all good. Absolutely, it's good. We love our kids. We want to watch. We want to support. A million miles. I went to a thousand games. Or we quit counting at a thousand games. But that's okay. Is it okay? Have I driven a million miles for Jesus? Have I borrowed $5,000 a year from the bank to give away to the poor? Have I gone through cars and given cars away? Or I just bought cars so I can go to another game and go to another game? And now our son is dead. And I think, what in the world are we doing? There, there's, don't, hear, don't hear what I'm not saying. There was so much that was good in that. But you're looking at an idolater. Am I looking at idolaters? What needs to change? What needs to be given back to the Lord? What needs to be repented of? What does he want to set us free from? And see what's so crazy, so crazy. We become like the idols we worship. And so we focus on it and we focus on it and we focus on it and we give ourselves. And then what happens? Something happens. I love the picture in Revelation chapter 3. The scripture says, and Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Can I come in? What if the Lord is saying to Southeast Iowa, can I come in? What if he's saying to this church, our church, can I come in? What if he's saying to your household, your family, can I come in? And what if he's saying to each one of us, can I come in? Or Kevin, are you too busy chasing your idols? Are you so easily influenced by demonic spirits that you lose sight of the kingdom? Well, let me talk about a couple things here. Slide eight. So this is the things that I observe. I'm just going to read them quickly. I want to focus on one. What I see, what I experience in Acts 17 is that the power of darkness can hold a whole region in that captivity. And so it causes me to ask questions. What, what is holding us into captivity? Another thing I thought about is, Lord, help me to understand what our spiritual battle is. So give me a blank screen now, Jim. Okay, now I'm gonna, this is, I'm gonna take a big risk. So we have dealt with so much death as a church family. So much death. And in the midst of death, we have learned to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we're learning and choosing to trust in our good shepherd. Am I speaking the truth? I have never heard of a church in my 39 years of being a pastor that has experienced this much death. So I have a wondering. I wonder if we're being prepared for something. Because we have learned over these years to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What if the Lord is preparing us 
for something that's coming. That had we not been in this chapter these past years, we would not be ready for. I'm not saying, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I wonder. What the culture is looking for is people who live with hope. Hope. Resurrection, hope. How do we learn to exercise faith and hope? We have to fight through the valleys of the shadow of death. Muscles don't grow by looking at them. Muscles grow when they get exercised. We have been exercising faith. Am I speaking the truth? So I wonder, can I ask, push this a little bit? Is the Holy Spirit quickening you personally, us personally? Where are you giving yourself to idols? Where are you giving yourself to demons? I'm really serious about this. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Where, where, where are we being bound? So how do you know if you're bound? Galatians 5 compares the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the flesh, there's envy and, and greed and anger and drunkenness and orgies and illicit stuff. Compared with what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those who are saying no to idols, who are renouncing demonic power, I am observing, are growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Is that a fair thing to say? And now may I push? But if you find yourself stuck, can I ask, are you giving yourself over to demons and idols? even nice ones, like sports. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yes? Do we want to be free? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Amen? Let's pray. Would you take a moment in the inner recesses of your own heart? If the Holy Spirit is quickening you to something, some place of idolatry, some place where you've given yourself over to that which is not honoring to Jesus, would you confess that to Christ? In your mind's eye, would you give that to Jesus? Would you lay it at the foot of the cross? <clears throat> if someone you know and you love is being held captive by demonic power, 
Would you pray these words over them? Lord, release your light, your love, your cross, your blood over that person. Set her free. Set him free. Call him to new life in Jesus. If you find there's a battle raging within you, would you just start to repeat the name of Jesus? Repeat his name. There is a name that's above every name. If you find your heart divided, pray the name, say the name of Jesus. as you consider going forward, would you now pray for the Lord to give you courage? Pray, Lord, help me to be strong and courageous, believing that you are what you said you are. Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. In this region, in these cities, in this church, and in our lives. Even as is done in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.